Top story today, as you've been hearing, the federal government banning a range of weapons. It's an order that takes place effective immediately. Public Safety Minister Bill Blair saying that hunters and recreational shooters can still have guns, but not guns designed to kill people. I want to assure hunters and farmers and target shooters in this country that nothing that we are doing today or will do in the future is intended to interfere with this lawful, responsible and legal activity. However, we are today ending the availability of weapons that were not designed for hunting or for target shooting. And the Prime Minister is saying the Cabinet order forbids the use and sale of about 1,500 style of weapons, uh, often described as military style, although that's not an official description. The military style weapons and guns similar to that. Well, joining me to talk more about what was announced today is Amanda Connolly, Global News National Online Journalist, and she joins me on the line now. Amanda, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, Can you walk us through, we just uh, listened to a clip from Bill Blair. What else was announced today as far as the timeline and what exactly is going to be banned in Canada? Sure. So what we heard today really was being described as kind of a first step among a number of uh, efforts the government is looking to take here to uh, combat gun violence in the country. They're saying that, again, as you mentioned there, they use the phrase assault style, uh, assault style weapons or military grade weapons. As you noted, those are not technical terms that have any kind of legal definition here in Canada, but it kind of speaks to the effect and the design of these weapons the government is targeting here. And so really you're looking at things. It's 1,500 um, firearms that are now banned for use in Canada. That's the use sale, import, and transport in Canada effective immediately, and it includes a two-year amnesty period for current owners. So you're looking at things here, again, that's those, those kind of, um, colloquial, I guess you, you call them an assault, assault rifle or assault weapon, but it's really those um, semi-automatic weapons that are capable of firing a lot of rounds in a very short period of time uh, that the government is looking to take aim at with these regulations effective right now. And what did they say about the buyback program? That really is a big question right now because, of course, that was another key part of the Liberal campaign promise in the fall was to uh, introduce these measures uh, at this, at basically together and buy back and a ban at the same time. And so we're not hearing any details right now of what that buyback program will look like. It was not announced today. They're saying that they have this two-year amnesty period to give them time effectively to work out the details of that buyback program. We did see a report in the Globe and Mail this morning suggesting that it could be made a voluntary program. The government did not confirm that today, so we don't know right now the extent of what that will look like. What we do know, though, is that we've heard from um, survivors of the Ecole Polytechnic shooting uh, in Quebec a number of years ago saying that any partial buyback is a disappointment to them because it will not accomplish the step of getting those guns out of people's hands and in their view, reducing the risk that they could be misused or make it into hands that would not legally own those guns. And I was listening to to most of the news conference this morning as well. And because this is happening during a pandemic, it's an order in council. There's been some criticism that it's an order in council rather than legislation that would have been debated and there would have been a much bigger discussion. Uh, But I did hear them say as well, this doesn't mean to go and surrender your gun to your local detachment or what have you because of distancing and because that's not uh, advisable right now. Uh, So at this point then, is it people who uh, up until today legally owned these guns they just keep them and wait to to get the next steps from government 
Yeah, that really is what the picture seems to be at the moment. There, the government seems to be saying, uh, you know, look, if, if you own these guns, you own them legally. Uh, you can continue to own them right now, but you cannot transport them. You can't take them anywhere to use them. Um, you can't sell them. You can't import them. And so, really, again, it's it's uh, it seems to be ensuring that um, owning this and keeping it in safe storage while they work out a buyback scheme is not a criminal offense. There's no wrongdoing on the part of the owner in that case. Um, but they will be required, the government is saying, once that buyback program comes into effect, to um, surrender the guns or, hand, or, or participate in that program at that time. Again, when that will be, we don't, we don't know right now. We did hear that uh, because that buyback program will have to be rolled out through legislation, not through uh, a cabinet order like this, uh, the prohibition is right now, that you're looking at a timeline here of when the immediate danger of the coronavirus pandemic has passed because, of course, the House of Commons right now is not sitting regularly. It's only dealing with pandemic-related issues. And so once that initial threat and danger there has abated, the government's saying they are going to be turning their, their attention right away to the spyback program and rolling out the details of that as soon as possible. And uh, as far as uh, more legislation or more rules, did they give any hint today as, as, as this is the beginning? Did they talk at all about handguns or what they might be planning down the road for that? That was certainly a question that they were asked about because, of course, that was a big issue during the election campaign. We know that it has a lot of support in some of the the major urban areas in the country with this proposal to let cities and municipalities ban handguns. We did not get any clear indication of a timeline on that right now. Again, the government really stressing that they're looking at a suite of measures here. This is one of um, one of further steps to come and that they do intend to get to uh, all of those promised measures over, you know, again, once this kind of initial crisis period from the pandemic has passed and they're able to kind of put a more fulsome legislative approach towards dealing with those issues. But as for now, again, a number of, of promises they're saying they still intend to act on but are not taking concrete action on right now. All right, Amanda, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much. I know it's a busy day for you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Right now, though, we're going to shift gears a little bit. It is May 1st. That means for many people in B.C., rent is due. We also know that because of COVID-19, many people are not working and have had either their salaries cut completely or their hours cut back substantially. So what does that mean for people if you cannot make the rent? We also heard this morning from Finance Minister Carol James saying that people will be able to apply for the emergency funding. We know thousands of people have already done that. But let's bring in Mazdaq Garib Navaz with the Vancouver Tenants Union. Uh, Mazdaq, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are you hearing as far as Vancouver renters and people who had rent due today? Well, uh, the things that we are hearing about uh, this this month uh, is essentially that there's no reason to think that things are easier for renters. Um, They are still sort of being hounded by landlords. Um, and they're making decisions uh, between food and paying their very high rents. Um, some of the things specifically that we've heard about is that they're still waiting to get any sort of support from B.C. government. Um, the temporary rental supplement hasn't arrived for the majority of people. Um, they're, uh, if they are reaching out to landlords, they're either uh, reaching uh, corporate landlords, companies who are not getting back to them or saying that it's business as usual, um, or they're, they're getting intimidated by, uh, for example, illegal eviction notices. Um, and if there are flexibilities, landlords are really just offering rent deferrals 
which means that folks are ending up in, in rent debt in the future um, that is going to have a financial burden of them on them and uh, sort of wipe away their futures. Uh, we do hear from Landlord BC, though, that a big bulk of the landlords in this province are mom and pop landlords, people that have basement suites or, or have a small number of units, uh, people that depend on that rent. Uh, there must be some, though. It can't be everybody that's being intimidating and not being helpful. There must be some that are working with renters. No, I mean, of course there are, but I think that some honesty is needed when it comes to the talking point about the mom and pop landlords. Um, the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives actually looked at the percentage of homeowners across all of Canada that are in the position where they are renting out their primary parts of their primary residence in order to make mortgages, so like a basement suite. And they really only accounted for 4% of all homeowners. So uh, a large part of the people and the uh, companies that Landlord BC represents are really sort of rich investors and uh, corporate landlords and companies that own multiple properties. So uh, what we are hoping for and what we're calling for is really to just take the profit motive out of housing. And in this uh, crisis time, for there to be a cancellation of rent and mortgage payments so that no one is losing their home, whether it's due to not being able to pay rent or uh, mortgages that uh, landlords might be on the hook for that uh, renters are not able to pay them. But what about the landlords that are, I mean, this is their income, that uh, this is the, how they make a living and this is how they make money? Um, you know, it's a tough call. I would say that Probably the system that we're talking about is untenable in times of crisis. And if there are situations where folks had set up so that their entire incomes uh, were dependent on the paychecks that other workers were bringing in, um, they are going to be taking losses. And um, that's unfortunate. But I think that we should not be asking the most vulnerable in society to take the brunt of the uh, of the damage that is being caused by this crisis. Uh, workers are in real trouble and they need to be thinking ahead, especially as we're hearing talks of opening the economy. Um, it is not the fact that people are just going to get up and go back to the same jobs they've had. Many of those jobs have uh, permanently disappeared. So we're in for tough times. So what would you like to see? We heard from the finance minister, Carol James, spoke earlier today talking about the B.C. emergency benefit, the $1,000 that applications are now open. That's in addition to the federal emergency benefits that we've seen announced. Those are all measures that are meant to help the exact people you just mentioned. What would you like to see? What would make it okay? So um, I just want to preface this by quickly saying that there's many people, in fact, uh, the majority of uh, people who've applied for the temporary rental supplement, for example, have not received anything by May 1st. Uh, it's been six weeks. Um, last I heard the reporting, they were they were on track to process maybe a, a third of the 45,000 applications that they've gotten. Um, but also that these programs, they're not universal and they're inaccessible and people are falling through the cracks. So when they talk about they're trying to get the money out as fast as possible, uh, the way to do that is to make the income supports universal so that folks 
can apply and get them. And then if needed, uh, it's taken back in the in from people who don't need it in, in tax season. But uh, to, to go back to that point, any sort of scheme where it's about putting in uh, income, uh, support so that renters can continue paying rent is essentially a direct subsidy to landlords. It's money that flows from taxpayer pockets to landlord pockets. And we think that there's a better way for us to do this, uh, which is to cancel rent and mortgage payments. Um, that's the biggest cost that most people have in their lives. Um, and it's going to allow uh, the costs that are being shaved off to be from the profit motive of housing, uh, whether that's going to landlords who didn't have mortgages or banks who are collecting uh, from from landlords. And once you take the profit motive out, it's going to be better for society in terms of cost uh, as opposed to renters acting as a vehicle to pushing that money upward to folks who have property investments. But if we saw that happen, so are you suggesting that the banks absorb the costs? Uh, the the big banks in Canada are some of the most profitable uh, companies that are in our society, so they should definitely be absorbing losses. Um, but they should be working with governments to uh, continue with with being uh, with having liquidity and and being able to uh, continue lending as well. All right, so we'll leave it there and see uh, what happens moving forward on this. Masdak, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you talking with us. Happy May Day. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Let's check in with CKNW contributor Claire Allen. Claire, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Jill. Now, I know I know people were listening to the Mike Smith Show, so many listeners probably already know that this is your last day here at CKNW, but we thought, too bad, we're not giving you the day off. We still, We still want to know what's going on out there. I tried to wriggle my way out, but just pull me right back in. Yes, no, well, today I thought it'd be really interesting to look at a new restaurant that is opening up right now, which, think about that, is quite crazy, because opening a new restaurant is really difficult on during the best of times. But opening a new restaurant in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic may as well be considered insane or nuts. So the people behind the kitchen table restaurants are not going to let the pandemic stand in their way. They just opened a new Italian restaurant named Pastifico de Luigi, and it's being spearheaded by their executive chef, Alexandro Vignello. And I called him up today to learn a little bit more. So it's called Pastifico de Luigi. So it's kind of uh, incorporating some inspiration from one of our other restaurants called Ask for Luigi. And so, Jill, if you've ever been to Ask for Luigi, um, it's a, one of the best restaurants in Vancouver. I once waited two hours to get inside. Oh, wow. I could highly, yes, I can recommend it. It was worth the wait. So, you know, it's a popular, that it's an offshoot of that very popular restaurant. And it had been in the works for a long time. And Alessandra said that the COVID-19 pandemic obviously impacted their planned opening, but they were able to pivot pretty quickly. Well, it was, it was pretty fast, to be honest. Like, we tried to do this pretty quickly to be able to adapt and, and offer interesting options to our guests. But I think, you know, we, we adapted by just trying to get it done really quickly. And I think the pasta concept is, is really good because it's fast service as well. So we wanted something that lended really well to take out that we could execute very quickly. All right, Claire, I really apologize. I need to stop you there. We're actually getting some breaking news uh, into the newsroom. So we just need to take a quick pause from the story about the restaurant. And please do listen carefully to this special report. 
Well, way to go, Claire, leaving us in the middle of COVID-19. Terry Shins here from the radio newsroom at CKNW. And of course, Claire, we wish you nothing but the best. I will remember your Iron Maiden t-shirt, your boxing match where we cheered you on and were likely a lot more anxious and nervous than you were. And of course, your tireless efforts to find me a family bulldog. It never quite worked out, but the effort was always there. And you can keep trying even from a new locale. You played a huge part in the delivery of some major stories. We wish you all the best in the days ahead. Oh, hey, Claire. Crazy news that you're leaving the CKNW family. And terrible timing because I don't know if you can hear that, but NW just got a ton of new puppies. You like dogs, right? What? What's that last one? Yeah, it would be pretty cool if Claire stayed. No, but seriously, congratulations. You will be missed. And it's been an absolute pleasure working with you these past couple years. Claire Allen has this self-deprecating sense of humor, so she would never tell you this herself. But she has such a brilliant, calm, cool brain for creating great radio. I have always admired her ability to just roll with the punches as news breaks throughout the day. And over the years, I've learned a lot from her about how to do that. Now, she's also a talented boxer and the only person on staff at CKNW that I think is trained to throw a punch. So I am concerned that as a station, we're a little less tough without her here. Congratulations, Claire. You're going to be amazing in your next adventure. Hey, Claire, it's Nikki. When it comes to what happens behind the scenes at CKNW, people may not realize the amount of laughing and pranks that we get up to in the office. And as my partner in crime, I am truly going to miss you. You're a great producer, a great person to share a desk with, and an even greater friend. I'm wishing you all the best in your new gig. I'll remember too. Claire, CKNW won't be the same without you. You're an awesome and fun coworker to have around, and I know that you'll kill it in the next part of your journey. Keep it Gucci. It was a few years back, Claire decided to get in shape, so she took up boxing. Yes, boxing. I initially thought it was crazy. Here was a young woman risking that million-dollar smile to get in shape. Thankfully, she avoided any facial damage. Then again, to improve her fitness, Claire decided to run a marathon. A marathon. She trained through all kinds of weather, and she finished it. I knew it before, but the boxing in the marathon just reminded me that Claire Allen was not a woman to be trifled with. Somebody I shouldn't piss off. Claire, thank you for always supporting us in the newsroom with your kind words, your patience, and that smile. And Claire, I really want to thank you for not getting mad at me. All the very best, Claire, in your next Hey Claire, technical producer Tim French here. I just realized something important. If you go away to your new job, who's going to get your dad, Bruce Allen, that can of Coca-Cola he always requests? It ain't going to be me. Your dad scares me. All the best, Claire. Hey Claire, John O'Dowd here. Just want to wish you all the best on your new adventure. It's been uh, an incredible few years working alongside you. And uh, there are so many memories that I'm going to cherish for a long time. Uh, I know that you will be sorely missed, but uh, I'm happy for you and I, I wish you all the best. Wash your hands. Do, 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 do.
Hey, it's Jody Vance. I'm in complete denial that you're leaving, Claire. I'm just incapable of imagining CKNW where you aren't sort of a pillar in the center doing just about everything. Uh, multitasker, multi-talent. You're going to have such a great career ahead of you, and we will miss you so, so much. Thank you for everything. That's really what I want to say. Good luck. So Claire Allen's leaving. Get a new job somewhere. Seem, I mean, cool, I guess. Right on? Yeah? All right. Please don't go. Don't go. I've gone through many different roles here at CKNW, but uh, one of the most interesting times for me was when I started as a Chase producer. There was one day in particular, which I'll never forget, which was the Halloween before last. So Halloween of 2018, which also happened to fall on Simi Sarah's birthday. As a new Chase producer, I hadn't really done too much in terms of on-air stuff. But for whatever reason, Claire put the ball in my hands to go out and perform for Simi Sarah on her birthday. And thanks to Claire, this is one of the pieces of magic that I created that day. Simi, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me. Hello, Simi, my old friend. It's time for your birthday again. All the best in your future endeavors, Claire. We, uh, we will miss you. Well, Claire, after uh, eight years at the Top Dog, you finally decided that it's time for you to move on, and you're definitely going to be missed. Uh, I'll always remember uh, you as one of the most hardworking, uh, tenacious uh, producers and contributors that we've uh, had uh, during my time at CKNW, and I will, uh, I'll miss uh, getting uh, pop culture recommendations on the latest uh, Netflix show that I need to be watching. Uh, so hopefully you can still uh, tweet me and text me those. Uh, after you're gone, uh, Claire will miss you. Join the 2019 Vancouver Writers Fest for a week of exceptional in-depth conversations with celebrated authors. Naomi Klein, Alif Batuman, Ivan Coyote, Lyndon McIntyre. And- Claire, I am so proud of you and I am really, really going to miss you. So what can I say about our time together? I can tell you this. If not for you, if not for Claire Allen, there would be no Simi Sarah show. You made me better at my job. You indulged all that weird stuff that I always wanted to talk about. You pushed me when I needed to be pushed, and you never hesitated to jump right in whenever we both found something interesting. I never, ever worried with you at the helm. You're my work twin. And I am so grateful for the time that we spent together here. And I know you're going to go off and do great things. And Claire, I just want to echo everything that was said there and more. We are going to miss you so much, but we're so happy for you. And there is one other person on the line that wants to say goodbye as well. Claire, Linda here. I'll tell you what, the very first day I walked into CKNW, I was coming from the TV world, I was overwhelmed, and I watched you produce Simi Show, and you were a machine. You were sitting there booking guests and pivoting and eating a really healthy meal, juggling balls. You were really an amazing person to watch. You're super smart. You're super fun and talented. 2020 has been like a shitty year for a lot of us, but for you, you got engaged and you got an awesome new job. So best of you, we're going we're gonna to miss you so much but we really wish you all the best in the future oh my gosh you guys tricked me as if i was doing some silly stuff uh. <laughs> here i was trying to get all the audio perfect 
Thank you so much. You definitely have me uh, pretty much in tears over here. It's been such an amazing ride working at NW and getting to know everyone. And I thank all the listeners for for tuning in and indulging me with my crazy stories sometimes. And the team there is truly the best. And I will miss everyone very, very much. But uh, thank you so much for making that little audio montage. It really means a lot to me. All right. Well, all the best. It's weird doing this in the pandemic because we, we can't see you. We can't uh, say goodbye face to face. So until we see each other again. Yes, well, I'm glad no one can see me because I am full on <laughs> crying. So, oh, all right. <laughs> thank well. you so much. Thank you. To, thank you to everyone. I really appreciate it.